Kylie Reed is a national treasure and must be protected at all costs. Such a fun age is unequivocally one of the best and funniest reads of the year. During a night out in the town, Amira gets a phone call from her boss that changes the course of her life. Agreeing to pick up a late-night babysitting gig, Amira is confronted by a poor excuse of a grocery security guard who has accused her of kidnapping a little white girl. Oh, the cocacity. Reed offers us a guidebook into the world of secrets, Karens, and lies. Stay tuned as we discuss Such a Fun Age. Welcome back to another episode of Forks and Fangs for the Vulgar Geniuses. My name is Denny. And I'm Veronica. And that was really fast. That was fast. <laughs> well, welcome to our lives. Everything is fast in the world, so I gotta talk fast. Fast life. Yeah, so welcome back. Today's episode is about our book of the month, which is on the book Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. I really enjoy this book. It was... It is probably on my top five now of wow. favorite. I can add that. I don't know what the other four are. Three? No, I know my number one That's is. That's true. I know my number one because my number one is my birthday pick. If you haven't heard, is Their Eyes Were Watching God. But this book was one that I also picked for my birthday month. And That's a good pick. She wins. so good. It was a really good, a really good book. So we're going to talk about it today um and with this book normally you know you know the drill we usually eat food but it wasn't that much food talked about in this it's more of the clubbing and the partying but uh yeah because i mean there was a mention of salads and thanksgiving dinner neither of which we were going to prepare so but um it's the club life it's the expensive wine life and so we had uh some black girl magic red blends it was so good. It was good. It's hitting hard right now. It's, <laughs> she had a little bit more than I, but I also had a tequila shot, so we're probably equal at this point. Mm. Um, so, Such a Fun Age is a story about a young girl named Amira, and she is 25 at the time that the story starts. Yes. And so she's out clubbing with her friends, and she gets a phone call from her boss, Mrs. Chamberlain. Mrs. Chamberlain. Mrs. Chamberlain. And it's Chamberlain. probably like, what, 10 at night? I think it was later than that. She asked her to come over to her house to take Briar out because something has happened. This is a red flag already. Oh, this is yeah. this is how the book started, okay? So <laughs> we already knew at that moment this is different. It pulled me in. Where are we going? Yes. So we're going to a grocery store to look at nuts. <laughs> to look at nuts. So she goes to pick up Briar. I can't more make this specifically shit up. like the kinds of nuts that you eat. She goes to pick up a a child named Briar, and um, Briar, and we soon find out, is white, little white girl. Three-year-old. Three-year-old white white girl. Like, cool whip. (laughs) And she takes her to the grocery store that is, like, three blocks up the street. And she has uh, come with one of her friends, Zara. Zara. And uh, so they're at the grocery store, you know, having a good time, looking at nuts. Living their best life. Dancing in the freezer section. And at one point while they're dancing, we see this white lady that walks past them and kind of gives them a friendly grin and then another white person who's a young man who Zara kind of like 
mentions like I would get with that. Yep, he kind of cute. He's kind of cute, and he keeps on going past. And um, her friend Zara eventually leaves, and they're left alone in the grocery store. And what happens is, um, as they're chilling in the freezer section, she <laughs> is then approached by a security guard who basically accuses Amira of um, kidnapping Briar. Of kidnapping Briar, because, you know... Karen Karen decided that it's a right time to interfere with Running Man. Exactly. As most Karens do. As yes. all Karens do. Shout out to... All the Karens. The real Karens that don't do that. <laughs> if your name is Karen and I'm you so don't sorry. do that... I'm so sorry. Shout what out of, to you. One of my very good friends is named Karen. I have a cousin named Karen. But I digress. So this Karen <laughs> in this story has accused Amira of uh, kidnapping this little girl. And so there becomes like this A scene, huge scene. Yeah. And the other white gentleman that had passed by them in the freezer section begins to tape what's yep. going on. Um, and so Amira is trying to, you know, she's trying to hold it together as best as she possibly can, but she realizes, like, you know, this security card is causing too much trouble. Yep. The moment I think that she realized that she was accused of kidnapping Briar, mm-hmm. she was like, okay, let me put my defenses up and let me call this child's father. Mm-hmm. And then she calls the child's father, and then he comes in the grocery store. And was like, okay, what's going on? And then the moment that Karen and the security guard sees this man, he she was like, okay, let me let me leave you to it. She's like, you all, you you seem like you got it. Yeah. And that's such a typical like Karen move right there to caught. You are the reason why all of this yes. is happening. Yeah. And then you can easily just dismiss yourself from it, as if. As if you didn't cause cause it. it. (laughs) Exactly. Sorry, I'm rolling my eyes right now. (laughs) Like, my eyes are up to Jesus. Because it's annoying. Yeah, so later on we find out that the reason why Amira was called in the middle of the night to come get Briar is that Alix Chamberlain, who is her her boss lady. Boss lady. um, Her husband is a news anchor. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Philadelphia News, and he has said um, a racist remark on on prom on TV about <laughs> the subject of prom because you know how people are doing those like prom proposals now, where it's like huge extravagant in front of everybody, yep. um, asking each other to go to prom. Well, one boy was white, and you know I think what he plays the song and. You know, he has a pepperoni pizza, and the, <laughs> the pepperoni is in a sign of a question mark. Props to you for remembering this part. I remember this part because it's racist, what he said. <laughs> it's seared in my head. Yes, what be- he said, I remembered, but be- not the promposals. Because the second boy who does his promposal um, is is a black boy, and he is, you know, dancing. He's, like, doing, like, breakdancing stuff. And so as they go back to the station he's like i hope that second young man got permission from that girl's father mm-hmm. which is automatically racist yep because the the girl is white right so because of that comment um some people have found out where they live he lives <laughs> and they are um 
awakened in the middle of the night because someone has thrown uh, eggs at their window and has broken the window. So they called the police and they didn't want Briar to see what happened. Which is so stupid. Like, she's three. Like, I don't don't get it. Yeah, I guess they just didn't want her to see the police and be upset, you know, that there's, you know, and to see that there's something wrong in the house. Because, you know, you have parents that want to keep up a certain appearance for their children. I guess so. And that was what they chose to do. So they chose to call their babysitter in the middle of the night to come over. Midnight. And she promises her to give her extra money and cab fare and all that. Yeah. And, um... So Amir, when she when she leaves all of this and she goes home, she meets up with her friend Zara again and it she kind of plays it off as if nothing is wrong, but yeah. she ends up crying. And all of this takes place in the first chapter. <laughs> so we already know that this is going to be juicy. a hell of a story. It's very juicy. Like, just reading that first chapter and I'm like, you know what? This is how we need to start a novel. Because mm-hmm. everything, well, the stuff that I've read after this, I'm kind of like, I'm already bored. Like, what is happening? I'm not going to mention the book, because you might be reading it. I don't know. I don't want to... What do you mean you're not going to mention the book? That's the whole podcast. <laughs> no, like, the, the other books that I'm reading that is, like, after, like, I read oh, such a fun age. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Like, I'm just, like, questioning what I picked this book up and be like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely hard to find something to follow such a fun age um, because of how well-written it was. And I I saw in an interview with uh, Kylie Reed, she was on The Daily Show, and he asked her, you know, specifically, like, Mm -hmm. why did you decide to go this route and present this part of the story um, straight out the box? And she said, you know, she was meeting with her editor, and, you know, he told her, like, hey, you got a good story here but it would benefit you if you got straight to like the 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 defining moment of the story. Yeah. First, so that it would pull people in and it definitely did that. Yeah. This is what an editor should do. Yes. If you go with a couple episodes. If you go to a good family episode, <laughs> it's it's bombs. Bombs, bomb, bomb. It was a horrible story. And this definitely shows you how you should write a story all the way through from beginning to end. Yeah, because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not really a simple story, but it's a story that happens in everyday life. Right. But if you write it this way, it definitely, you know, leaves a mark and an impression on whoever the reader might be. Mm-hmm. And you'll be a little bit more careful in what you say and what you do in the world. Yes. Now, what we find out about Amira is that, you know, not only is she 25, she has really doesn't have a stable job yep. that has benefits because mm-hmm. outside of her babysitting, she uh, is kind of like a typist for the Green Party. Yes. Uh, something very <laughs> random that she just found online. And um, so she doesn't have any benefits. She doesn't have health insurance. Mm-hmm. And she knows that by the time she turns 26... She'll be kicked off her for her parents' health insurance. So it is a huge worry for Amira. Oh yeah. And that for her during during the course of this book is something that pops up a lot. Mm-hmm. And you realize like, you know, this story is different for her versus the story that 
the Alix's character is dealing with. Yeah. Right? Because Alix's character is just dealing with super, almost kind of like superficial stuff. Superficial stuff, lonely stuff. This is a master's, this is a master study on how microaggressions work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if, if white people didn't understand, I think this would be like the textbook on. Mm-hmm. what you think that you're saying even if it's not with uh you know malicious intent exactly that it still has <laughs> malicious intent <laughs> <laughs> that the consequences the the fallout from it should i say um can can sting and yeah, and, and can make people be like huh what are you saying what you're talking about so what did you mean by that so at least <laughs> Ali's character, we find out that her um, her character is one who has built her business basically through Instagram and letter writing. So random letter writing. <laughs> she discovered that she had this gift, I guess, back in high school, um, that she was able to get things just for from writing letters for free, for free, and she built her. Her little small business, her empire, her little said. small empire, <laughs> <laughs> based off of her her letting her letter writing, and she it's kind of like, I guess what you would see now on Instagram where you have all of these like Instagram famous people, influencers, yeah, influencers who you really don't know how they got to where they got, they but just they did it, to, they did it. <laughs> And uh, so they're always hawking something. And for her, her Instagram is full of, like, you know, different gifts that different companies have sent her Mm -hmm. to be like, hey, I got this bottle of wine. For free. Yeah. She, I think her turning point was, like, she had, like, a follower that she helped, like, pass. Oh, get into college. Yeah, some sort of entrance exam. And this, like, little follower was a teenager, and she had, like you know thousands of followers mm-hmm. so ever since then they called Alix Chamberlain like oh she would be the one for you to get into college and then that's where all her like magic wording and like her quote unquote expertise came from yes and uh, so she when you know she's building this empire she's living in New York City <laughs> right glamorous you know, she's living her best life there and Eventually, she meets her husband. Mm-hmm. They end up getting pregnant before they get married. Yep. And um, it's an unplanned pregnancy. Then they decide to get married. He's totally excited, but for her, it it's kind of like one of those moments where you're like, "This is not how I plan my life to go." Basically, in her mind, I feel like because I've been pregnant, so like shit, not now. <laughs> like, like quite honestly. I feel I felt like that was the underlying tone of when she saw like that test became positive. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, ma'am, sit down. A lot of people are trying to get pregnant. You just did it in a whim. So here you go. <laughs> that was her that was her gift to her husband cuz obviously she it wasn't something that she planned nor wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think for him in the very beginning, he was really excited about it and oh, he yeah. really really wanted it he so was much all about the, it. He was like, "Let's get married. Let's do the whole Let's do the whole thing. And which they do. They do. Later on in their life, she ends up getting pregnant again. again. And at this point, he realizes like, oh, 
it was then his turn to be like, oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> so he was like, oh, snap. Um, we got to get out of the city. We got to get a bigger house. And, you know, I guess, you know, they originally, well, at least at least wanted to continue to live in New York, but they didn't have the money to be yeah, able cause to he, do Yeah, because she was thriving. Yeah. She, her her quote-unquote empire is, like, you know, it's growing, so she didn't want to leave the... She didn't want to leave the city. Yeah, but her, even though her empire may have been growing, it wasn't large enough to cover a four-person family. Yeah. So they had to move to Philadelphia. And she is originally from Philadelphia. <laughs> um, we soon find out that Alix Chamberlain um, went by Alex in it's high school. Alex. I'll be calling her Alex from now on. <laughs> I'm just going by this Alex bullshit. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> and, and when you see in the book, it's like Ali, like leaks like the like the vegetable. Okay, <laughs> stupid. So she um, she changed her name, and we find out that she changed her name because there was a horrible thing that happened to her um, while in high school. But before we get to that part, we have to go back to talking about Emira because Emira. Um, you know, she's babysitting, she's looking for work, she's, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure her life out. She graduated. And in between her figuring her life out, um, she runs into Kelly. Yeah, this is Kelly Copeland. Kelly Copeland, who was the one that videotaped her in the in the grocery store. This is a white young male. Yeah, so she she finds him on the on the train. Again. <laughs> on the subway train and he you know basically convinces her like hey I want to hang out with you yeah, I want to see who you are where you going who you be with so they basically date they start other. dating yeah, yeah. <laughs> they start dating and uh, from the first I guess the first night I think it was the first night when they started dating that he divulged to her like how he had this experience with this girl in high school. They started talking about past loves. Yes. And um, the girl... That's what you do on your first date. The girl, you know, <laughs> was so much in love with him, and he he broke up with her because she would write these these love letters, and I guess it was just too much, but it was kind of like a, like a fuckboy move on how he Pretty broke much. up with her. And I think they were supposed to go to prom together, something like that. Yeah. They were supposed to go to a dance. But he um, basically told her that he no longer wanted their paths to ever cross ever again. Ever again, like he was out. I don't want to know y'all. I want to see Deuces you. bounce. And it is because of a horrible incident of um, he says that she she was the reason why one of his friends lost his scholarship. Yeah. So when we fast forward over to Alix telling the story. She's with her girlfriends. Yeah, BT Dubs. It was Alix that she was he was talking about. Yeah, so we find out like, oh snap, <laughs> they dated in high school. What is the coincidence that they would have cross paths? Cross paths in a way that they didn't even know that they were about to cross. And um, so as she's telling the story, she tells the story in a that very you different know, way. Her parents had. It wasn't that they won the lottery, but what was it that their their one of the grandparents had passed away and, and left all, all this money all to them? All of a sudden, they're rich. They were 
mad rich and so you know if you go from not having any money to having money a lot of people don't know how to deal with that and they were yeah. buying everything they basically brought this like big huge house in philadelphia mm-hmm. and then you know one one day <laughs> that <laughs> her parents like were out of town was doing something she invites her high school boyfriend. But how does she invite him? With a letter. Yeah. <laughs> she had been putting letters in his locker. <laughs> and she had basically written this elaborate love letter and how, she, you know, she wanted to lose her virginity to him. And she drew this map on how to get into her house. With a code for the gate. And she, I mean, she had everything down to the song that she was going to lose her virginity to. This was intense. <laughs> have you, have you ever thought about that as a teenager? Like, nope. No? Oh, nope. man. I never had like a, a, a letter with a map and all that mapped nope. out, but. I never wrote letters. I, I imagine myself, you know, it going a certain way. And unfortunately it did not. I mean, it wasn't unfortunate. It was fortunate. In the moment, it was fortunate. (laughs) But (laughs) it wasn't how I pictured it. (laughs) It was never how you would picture it. It's never how you picture it. But going back to Alix and Amira and Kelly. (laughs) Um, Let me get off memory lane. That's the tequila hitting it. Anyway, so we we find out that she, you know, she has this, this huge house. He comes in as planned, and mm-hmm. they they do it. You they know, it. she it was very quick, but they do it. And they 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 think they were both happy in that moment. I think she was happy. I think he was just kind of like you know, okay, the regular like, I'm happy because I just got laid. Kind of happy, where she was like, I just lost my flower. Kind of happy <laughs> to the man that I love. And then the next thing we know, there's a bunch of people coming onto her property, having a pool party, having a party, and um, her her housekeeper slash maid comes in with her sister. They all come there, and you know they're trying to figure out like what's going on. Why are these people here? Mm-hmm. And Elise ends up calling the police on the black boy who was basically leading all of these people onto the property. Yeah. And so that's how he ends up losing his scholarship, and that's why um, she and Kelly end up breaking, breaking up because I think I was was he also drinking at that point, and then they found like a little stash of like. Drugs in this like a little pocket or something. I can't. I don't remember that part. I just remember, I just remember, you know, them arresting mm-hmm. him. So, um, so after both sides have told their stories, Amira only knows Kelly's version, and Elise only has told her friends her version. Yeah. And um, so we both know we have two different stories. Yep. And when I remember when I was reading the very the very first story, which was Kelly's telling, I was sitting at the dining room table reading it, and I just like put my put my book down, and I'm like, oh, this is not gonna go well. Like I felt so bad for Amir. I'm like, this dude that she's with is no good, and uh, yeah. So <laughs> I've had like mixed feelings about Kelly, but more on that later. Yes. So. <laughs> Those paths 
that were no longer to be crossed. Crossed again. Crossed again after uh, Alex giving Amira an invitation to Thanksgiving. Like, why? So, I don't know. She's just trying to be really nice to the sleep. You Exactly. Now, while Over. we're learning these two stories, we realize that Alix is has a type of personality where she it, it seems as if she really wants to be Emira's friend. Yeah, or she wants just to fix everything about her life. That... She wants to fix things. She wants to be... She wants to know all her business. So much so that she goes through this girl's phone. Girl's so she's email. seeing these conversations that's going on between her and Kelly and, on her phone. She's looking her at her friend. playlist, her music playlist. It's a little creepy and it's a little disturbing. It's very creepy. Because <laughs> I'm just like, why? Remember I would even ask you at some point, like... Is Alix gay? Because I'm like, why Why do you do such things? Because, you know, the like how she would describe, like, Emira, like, maybe call me naive and, like, borderline stupid. But I'm like, for why? Like, what? what? It's what almost as if she has, like, this... She has a girl... She does. She does have a girl crush. She does. She admits uh, it. Yeah, she definitely has a girl crush on Emira. And so she's doing all of these things that normally you would normally do with your regular crush, right? So um, she's she's borderline stalker. To me, she's a stalker. And... She's not borderline. <laughs> <laughs> well, she goes in full stalker mode after um, Kelly appears on her doorstep on Thanksgiving on um, Thanksgiving Day of all days of all days, and she loses her shit. Yes. It's, she gathers up her little girlfriends. They stay in like the laundry room. And be like, "What do I do?" Like she's red from the neck up, and I'm like, "Girl, calm down." That's such a like middle school, high school thing. And like, I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he's here." It's like, "Bitch, you are married. You're grown. You have two children." And she's and she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I've lost. I've never lost that weight." And I'm like, "Welcome to motherhood, bitch." <laughs> And I'm just like, come on. Like, you have your husband down there. He has his friends down there. Like, act like an adult. Yeah, but unfortunately, she has a hard time doing that. Her friends had to gather her together. Yep. And come up with a plan on how to make the night go better than it started for her. Basically deflecting that And putting all the intention on Emira. So all her friends are now asking her all of these inappropriate questions. Questions. Why are you asking people's business when you don't know them? You just met them. Like, where do you live? Like, what degree did you finish? What are your, what do you plan to... What is your GPA? Trying to figure out if this girl can get into uh, grad school. She's asking her... Rude. rude (laughs) Rude-ass questions. And so one of one of Emira's friends, her name is Tamara, and she's she's a black girl. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess you know she goes into this like this mode, this like I gotta pull my sister up because you know she's young, she needs guidance. So she's really <laughs> going in all the inappropriate questions, and you know trying to figure out her life plan on where she needs to be. She's basically deciding what what this girl needs to do with her life, okay? Right. And and I think during this time, I guess it had already been divulged that Kelly has told her that that is his ex-girlfriend. Like, this is the one I was telling you about. Yeah, through text message. Because yeah. Kelly was like, you know, 
this is who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh, you know, this is getting worse. I want to leave he now. I wanted to leave. But they kind of made it through as much of the dinner as they possibly could. And then eventually, you know, they bounced. It was like, it, it was time to go. It was getting too awkward. Um, so they leave. And when they leave, Kelly goes to this, takes Amira to this bar. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> he takes her to this bar. And it's not like a regular bar. It's And it's also Thanksgiving Day. So mm-hmm. you have to realize, like, you know, the really good, fun bars are not going to be open. Everybody's going to be home with their family. Yeah. So he takes her to, like, this hole-in-the-wall place that has John Wayne pictures all over the place and it's playing country music. Old white man sitting in the bar. And it's obviously not a place that Amira would ever go to. Or would feel comfortable, at and, least being there for, like, even two seconds. Right. And Kelly is making a... He's, he begins to make a scene and tell Amira that she's got to quit her job, you know... This lady is, like, bad for you. She's racist. She's going to destroy your life. Like, he just, like she destroyed, like, my friend's life. Like, yep. all of this, like, like crap that he experienced in the past. And he's heated. <laughs> so, which, which is, like, crazy that he is so upset at the fact that this is who she works for. Yeah. And, you know, Amira, Amira kind of, like, plays it calm. She's... Out of all the characters in this book, Amira seems to be the one with the most sense. She's the cool, calm, collected chick. Which is very good to be 25 and to have that mentality. A good head on her shoulders. Because she could have easily, like, blew up at Kelly. Like, fuck you, fuck you, bye. Yeah. (laughs) And, I mean, she she does have a meltdown. Um, eventually they make it back home and she tells him, first of all, you cannot be taking me to places like that. Yeah. You know, because if you don't know, John Wayne was a well-known and proud racist. So to go into a place to see his picture up, it just lets you know, this is not a safe space for me to be <laughs> in. <laughs> um, so, you know, she told Kelly, like, hey, you need to, like, consult with me. Before we go to places like that, why did you think that was a good idea? And then she begins to tell him, like, hey, I already know I need to find a new job. Like, no, duh. Like, I need health insurance. Yeah. This is not a place that I want to stay. Mm-hmm. But we we learned that the reason why she continues to work for the Chamberlains is because she has created um, this uh, very significant bond between her and Briar. Yeah, she girl. she really loves that girl, and mm-hmm. I think she really does a good job, mm-hmm. like great job with this little girl, because this little girl is inquisitive. Like she asks questions, and she's very like, "Why this? Why that?" And I think Amir has the patience to answer all of it, and the want to. Like mm-hmm. she she really wants to help her to find. She's those genuinely like interested in this um, child's development, mm-hmm. unlike her mother, unlike the mother who is spending more time trying to figure out, you know, like, who her youngest daughter is. She's more attached to this child. child looks like her versus, you know, her first child, which I think just represents what she didn't want to yeah, happen. Like, it's it's kind of like a roadblock mm-hmm. in her career. So I think she just saw Briar as a roadblock forever. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, go with the 
you know, go with Amira, just do it, do stuff with Amira. And yet she takes the younger child to her with every, like everywhere mm-hmm. that she would go. Like she is so attached to this, to this younger child, which name is Catherine. And she just takes Catherine's everywhere. And I'm like, well, if Amira's there, why, why bring Cat, like bring Catherine around? Right. It doesn't make sense. So you, we find out like that Alix really doesn't have that much love for Briar as she should, you know, yeah. that this is her child. And um, so after her telling Kelly, like, hey, you know, I, I know what I need to do, but also I know what you need to do in regards to me, and it ain't going to be you taking me to that bar no more, <laughs> right? Like, there has to be an understanding of respect when yeah. it comes to me if you want this relationship to continue, and um, so they kind of like get get it together. He's very insistent on like, hey, you, you need know, to quit. You gotta quit this job. I'll take care of you. Oh, we also have to mention that Kelly's got money too. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's doing rich. all right. He's rich. He's doing all right for himself. And um, so after all of that has happened, Alix is now in full force stalker mode. Now she's one hundred percent stalker mode. So much so that she has decided that she is going to start stalking Kelly at his place of work. And she follows him and they end up like going to the same restaurant to have lunch together. Mm-hmm. And um, they she, get in a fight. She's she's basically like telling Kelly to leave Amira alone. Mm-hmm. And then Kelly was like, no, you leave. You need to like leave her alone. <laughs> and I don't this. There's this a fight for Amira. For some reason that, honestly, I don't understand. It's just like, you know, Alix needs to save Amira from Kelly. Kelly needs to save Amira from Alix. It's a fucking shit show. It is. And Amira just needs to save herself from both of these situations. Because <laughs> it's just not, it's just not spinning out right. Even though uh, Kelly is problematic um, because... Um, as we find out from Alix, Alix feels like Kelly has like a, a fetish, yeah. a fetish issue when it comes to black people, mm-hmm. and you know, he only dates black women. Apparently. Yeah, and she and she goes to tell Amira this. Like mm-hmm. she goes to her house, <laughs> she tracks her, finds out where she lives, goes to her house, which you know, for her, you know, it would probably be like her going to the hood and. It, you know, she feels kind of unsafe in the very beginning. She's like, you know, looking where she's going. and <laughs> Brings Briar with her. It brings Briar. Briar is with her because, you know, obviously that has to be her ticket in to getting to Emira's house. And she succeeds. And she lets her in. Um, but she basically, you know, like straight up tells her like, look, you know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be your friend, basically. Like, I work for you. Mm-hmm. And she makes it really plain for for Alix, right? So, um, she doesn't know if she's going to come back. Was she at... Maybe she was, had stopped working at that point. Yeah, and then Alix was kind of like, well, no, you, this is what you're going to do. She gave um, Amira, like, this planner... And oh, puts, and a raise too. Yeah, and a raise, and puts all the days for her there, 
Like, and, you know, you're going to have health insurance with mm-hmm. us. We're going to provide all of that for you. You're going to be with Briar. And, of course, Amira was, like, in tears. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Of course I'm going to do it. Oh, we forgot one most important part. I'm going to get to it. But, <laughs> but it happened before that. Yeah, but Amira didn't know that before Alix went to her house in her own property and, like, you know, in her own safe space, she did what? She went into Amira's email that she has... <sighs> this is what millennials do. They leave their shit open everywhere. <laughs> so, Amira, like, okay, let me let me see, like, you know, my email status of my, my flight for Thanksgiving, okay? And it's like, oh, you know, I can't ever go back home because it's like, the weather's too bad, my flight's canceled, da-da-da-da-da. And, of course, she leaves her Gmail open. Mm-hmm. It's Gmail, okay? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when she leaves and Thanksgiving happened, Alix saw that the, the email was still up, and she sent the email of, like, the video that Kelly emailed Emira. Mm-hmm. And then, so she, on the other, like, she just basically took it. So it's kind of like, what is that? What crime is that? Cyber crime is that? Oh, Invasion of property? I don't know. Privacy. Hit us, hit us up. Whatever, whatever crime is that? So she basically d- does that and deletes the email from Amira's like inbox. Mm-hmm. So there's no copy of like the email anywhere. But she makes it seem as if it was sent from from Kelly. Yeah. And uh, when we find this out, is uh, Amira and her friends have gone out to celebrate, um, and. What, like after one of her friends has gotten a, gotten a job. Yep. And so they're they're they've gone out to celebrate. Oh, actually, no, no, no. That's a different celebration. This celebration is for Emir's birthday. Emir's birthday. She has turned twenty six. She like they're celebrating because now she has a full time job. She has mm-hmm. health insurance. She gets to spend time with Briar, and then all of a sudden the vi- the video leaks out. And um, actually, it's not the job with. Alix, it's another job that wasn't paying that much. It was to work at like a to be a manager of like a daycare or something. It was an opportunity for her to take so that she could get out of Alix's position. Um, so you know, nothing major, not a lot of money, but it's something different. She got health insurance, and they're celebrating and. They go into the bathroom because Zara has, like, found some information out. And mm-hmm. she's like, I need you to go with me. Because they make it seem as if somebody's hurt. And they're mm-hmm. going into the bathroom. And she reveals to um, Emira that her video from the from the grocery store has been leaked. Everywhere. And she was just, like, heartbroken and shocked. And, you know, what your friends do, they hype you up. Because, you know, Zara knows, like, the only person that had it was Kelly. Was Kelly. And so they go and they take Kelly's phone away from him and they start searching. And Zara's like, it's on his phone. And they leave. And Zara's like, don't you ever motherfucking talk to her again. So basically, they break up. Yeah. But we find out later on that it that Kelly did not send the video that Zara was just trying to protect her friend and um it was Alix that sent it yeah and um so when they find this out this is after Alix has set up 
an interview with like the Phil like the, the Phil- Philadelphia News, <laughs> the morning news, so um Amira can like clear her name and her reputation. Mm-hmm. So she was like in the bathroom trying to get dressed for this interview, and then Zara went down to get her backpack, and then she overheard she overheard um Tamara and um. Alix talking about, you know, Alix was like, is this the right thing for me to do? And Tamara was like, this is the best thing that happened to that girl. And then some other stuff. And this goes to show you that all skin folk and kin folk, you can't be trusting everybody that look like you. And obviously in this moment, she was doing a huge injustice of getting into this girl's business once again and doing some shit that she had no business doing. But it also goes to show you what the information that she had been given by Alix. Like, yep. how wrong all of that information was. Exactly. Um, so, you know, Zara comes up to, like, the bathroom and be like, girl, we gotta bounce. This is, like, this is basically a setup. Mm-hmm. And then Emira was like, nope, I'm gonna go down there. I'm gonna do it. They basically hatch a plan that um, Emira's gonna say, you know, like, I'm gonna... I'm going to be truthful in this interview about how I really feel about you and like how you're not supposed to be in my business and we're going to leave in the middle of the interview and that's how we're going to end it. <laughs> and boy, was it a scene. <laughs> that was such a funny scene. And her friend was like, you know, doing the whole like getting up into the the cameraman's mm. face saying all kinds of crazy shit. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um... And so she basically quits on her. She has a new job. And after that happens, um, Kelly immediately calls her after he sees the news. But she refuses to answer the phone. Mm -hmm. And so um, before she she quits on Alix, the way that she quit on her was by saying the same thing that Kelly said (laughs) when he broke up with her. In high school. Like, I wish our paths were never crossed ever again. Ever again. I knew that was going to come up when when she asked him to repeat it, when he was telling the story. And I, I thought that she was going to say it to him. Oh. But it ended up being her saying it like, to her Like, Alex just fucking lost it. <laughs> so, you know, that had to sting. Oh, yeah. It was like, not oh, yeah. only... You know, did my my ex boyfriend break me up with this line? But now my my favorite babysitter that I've been stalking <laughs> all this time has now used it on me. Uh, I don't understand that relationship. So but you know, anyway. <laughs> that's the end of of their story together, and we we are like you know catapulted to the end, or I guess a few years into yeah, the future. When is a little bit older, she's still working for the Green Party. Um, that was the job that she accepted in Alix's bathroom <laughs> out of desperation. Um, and she um, she needed a, she needed a plan B, and that was her plan B. Yeah, and um, she and she was making some money. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was more than what she was making, and she had um, health insurance. Yep, and she was like a secretary of like some this lady that's an administ- administrator in the Green Party. Yes, so and, uh, I she, guess like the, the director of the. Mm-hmm. Green Party for Philadelphia. So she asked her, you know, like, how long you think you're going to do this for? Because usually people only do this for a little while and they move on and you've been here for a few years. For two years, exactly. And um, <laughs> she ends up staying there a little bit longer. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but while, you know, she's going through life trying to figure everything out, she sees Kelly out at a at a carnival. Mm-hmm. She sees him and he's there with a a um racially and um ambiguous girl. She doesn't know if if she is black or mixed or whatever, but she knows she ain't white. And so, you know, it kind of harkens back to what Elise was saying about how he only dates black girls. And, yep. and FYI, this is um her friend. <laughs> this is one of her friends. It's that, one of her friends? Yep. That, that Kelly dates. No. Yes. It's Shawnee. No, it's not. It's Shawnee. I swear to God. How let me... did I know? Because she said she didn't know what... What race she was? Let me let me find this out for you. It's While Shawnee. she's doing that research, there's no way that could have been Shawnee. It's Shawnee. Well, while yeah. she's looking that up, <laughs> um, not only does she see Kelly, and you know, there's a moment where you know she thought about like and you know taking his phone call, getting in contact with him, but then she realized like she wouldn't be able to live with herself knowing that he was right and then the possibility of him being right about other things in the future it just was I think that partially that was probably a little bit of her pride that was taking place in that one but she chooses never to contact Kelly again and so that was obviously the end of the relationship and then she also oh yeah it's not Shawnee I told you it's not Shawnee she went to the fair with Shawnee (laughs) my bad my bad, y'all. My bad. Had to make a fact check. So, she also sees Alix at the fair with uh, with Briar and Catherine in tow. And, um, you know, she has a moment and she just thinks about... We're left, you know, her with her thinking about her life. This, this book, it's set with me... It continues to sit with me. I think it will never leave. It it just was one of those books that I could relate to on so many different levels. Um, one of the reasons that I picked it out is that, you know, I have a lot of friends who have children and those friends are of different races. And sometimes there are moments where I am alone with that child and I go out in public with that child and I get looks and I get questions and there are pauses. So I totally understand um, where Amira was in that moment of being in the grocery store. Um, and then also with the constant of the, the microaggressions that are coming from Alix, you know, you have those things that happen in life. I am with my child and I get looks when I'm with my child. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is my fucking child. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> For real, though. Like, I think because of the mask, they mm-hmm. can't see me. And they're like, who is this lady holding this child? And I'm just like, come to mommy. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, that's her mom. And that's his mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it happens. You know, it happens. And power to the people who can ignore it. I think I'm super um, um, hyper aware of it when, it when it does happen. And I never want there to ever be a moment like what Amira had in that grocery oh, store. God to happen because uh, one one night I had one of my best friends when he and his wife had their second child 
I had to babysit their first child. And that moment, I think she had just turned three years old mm-hmm. um, when her brother was born. Um, but I, she was with me. I took her out to eat. And so there was a lot of me like, come to auntie, auntie, auntie this and that. Because I wanted people to know like this child is supposed to be with me. Um, but the looks and all that still came, you know. That's my insecurity of not me being bold, but it's also me having to also be aware because of there could have been a situation like what Amira had, and in real life it don't play out like it does in oh, no. in the novel. Oh, it no. can be something totally different. That's like a died down version of what really could have happened. Mm-hmm. And you know when she cries in that bathroom with her friend, that's when you know she knows that it could have really gone bad. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh man, but the the dating of the white guy with the possibility of there being a fetish is, you know, I also got, I also got that. I understood it on a on a true level. Been there, done that. Where you know you you have to question: Is this person really wanting to date you for who you are, or are they only dating you because you're black? Because you're exotic. Exactly. There's also a thing like that with like Asian women. Oh yeah, <laughs> with with every kind. Mm-hmm. Every kind that's not white. <laughs> you definitely have that moment. Like preferences, mm-hmm. so they say. But what I really don't understand is like this, like obsession of um, Alex, Alex. <laughs> to Emira, like why? Oh, like, wait a minute! We forgot the most important reveal of the story. Oh, so oh, <laughs> we we know that there are two different stories that Kelly told and that Alix told, right? About how they broke up and why they broke up in high school. But it's later revealed that um, we are given a flashback of Elise during her senior year cleaning out lockers at high school. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she gets to her ex-boyfriend, Kelly Copeland's locker, uh, and she goes to clean it, and she realizes there's a little piece of something stuck in the locker um, that is, like, I think a, below his or something, but it's stuck in there. And she pulls out, and when she pulls out, she pulls out letters. <laughs> These letters that she had been putting into this locker had been falling into someone else's locker, and it is the boy who she called the police on. So he yeah. was the one that had gotten the map to her house and told all of this information about what she wanted to do, and that is why Kelly was so he didn't understand what was going on. What basically. was going on because he never received the letter, and he told her he never received it. But to her, she didn't want to hear it. But everything comes in full circle. Now she realizes that all her letters is going to this boy named Robbie. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that got the letter and saw all this information. He was like, okay, dope. We're going to have a, this party in this chick's house. And Kelly did nothing have to do with it. But the crazy thing about that part of the story, that reveal, was showing how she decided to continue to let that be her narrative yep. when telling people Lies. what happened to story. Lies. Straight she up ne- lying. She never admitted or she never got around on being like, okay, maybe it was my mistake. Mm-hmm. I think if she could have just accepted that it was her mistake and went to Kelly with it, I think Kelly would have forgiven her and be like, I don't 
don't know if he would have forgiven her because she uh, she had that dude arrested. Maybe not, His friend. Maybe not for, but you know, be like, okay, cool, we're cool. You know, I think I can forget about this, and we can be like, you know, we can separate ways and like with peace, at least for Kelly. Mm-hmm. But Alix was not about that. No, um, she was too prideful in that moment, and it carried over into ruining not only her relationship. I mean, she had ruined it prior to, but the possibility of them ever getting back together for whatever reason that could ever happen. But she also lied to her friends yeah, about what this, you know, quote-unquote, most humu- humiliating moment in her life was. So her friends are just trying to be like, yeah, of course, you're right. You know, we gotta save this Amira lady from this Kelly guy because... You know, if that's what he did to you, he's going to repeat it to Amira. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason why you can't always have friends that be on that ride or die bullshit with you. Because you will end up dying following yeah. somebody's bullshit. Always. 100% of the time. You, yeah. you you will end up having them do something that they should not be doing. Yeah. Period. True and friends, ruining people's lives. True friends call you out for your own bullshit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's adulthood right there. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the Bible verse? Like iron sharpened iron or something like that. Like if you need to, you know, stay the path <laughs> of righteousness. I'm preaching now. But in actuality, if you want somebody to call you out on your bullshit, you have to have authentic people in your life to do that. You know, for what Alix had in her life, it just was like someone who was just hyping her up, you know, and also believing what it was that she was telling them. Yeah. It's frustrating when you don't have all the facts. I know, like, if you're one of her, if you're one of Alix's friend, like, what would you go against it, like, you know, with that information? You don't know anything else but that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, also doing that interview, well, they, they did, Tamara didn't know that, first of all, Amira didn't want that interview to be leaked out. Right. Second of all, you know, I think this is kind of like, you know, I'm just trying to help you, but they're helping that girl in a wrong way. If they would just leave that girl alone, that would be the best help that they can mm-hmm. give that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that if anyone has decided that they're going to read this book, even after we've told you the whole story, <laughs> <laughs> that you're going to read this book, um, I highly recommend that you listen to it with the audio. The audio book is so good. The actress who's reading the story, her name is Nicole Lewis. And she does an amazing job because there's so many different characters that are speaking and she changes her voice and she keeps with the... I want to know how they do this, but she keeps with the same Nicole, voice for each <laughs> character. I wish I could interview her on like, how did you do that? But also, I'm really excited for the fact that this book uh, is the rights of it to become a movie or a TV show has been picked up by Lena Waithe. 
And for those who know who she is, Lovecraft Country. She no, that's Misha Green. Oh, that's how sorry. <laughs> but Lena, Lena Waithe is known for uh, she's got t- television shows on BET, the Twenties. Um, she's done a remake and turn it into a television show of Boomerang, the movie that was was starring Eddie Murphy. She got oh for real yeah she got an an Emmy for her uh sh- her episode of um Watch oh goodness that. what is the name of that TV show it's the actor from Parks and Rec and Caesar Sorry he had a television show on um. Netflix I can't remember the name of the television show but um she won a, an Emmy from it. And it it was huge. Um, she she had a historical moment, and she has been giving. Oh, she also has a television show called The Shy that comes on Showtime. So she's killing it right now in in the television world. And uh, she had a movie called Queen and Slim that was popular um, early in the beginning of this year before before pandemic. pandemic. <laughs> um, so she has gotten the rights to do. To this book and I'm excited I hope it turns into I would like to see it as a movie but if it I turns wanna, into a television show that would be I wanna, good I want it to be a series you want a series? yeah like a one done series? yeah like Little Fires Everywhere Mm-hmm. or like you know LCC <laughs> I can't wait for it to come out I hope it comes out at least next year I don't know it's a year it's, from now it's questionable when, when things are gonna get back to where they were but it would it will to me it would be a dope series because mm-hmm. then you you know you can expound on more of the characters you don't have to condense it into two hours yeah I think I just I just I just want that yeah it's more for me like the selfishness of like watching like you know, the characters the involvement even though I know where it's going to but I think it would be a really nice street oh for sure so. What would you? How many? Wait, I, I still have a question. Oh, with, with the obsession with Amira by Elise, I really don't understand it. It's, uh, you know, some people, some people find people that they are really interested in like, knowing. Why, why would you want to cure something that ain't broken? I don't know. I guess maybe for her, she thought it was broken because she was, she didn't have like an actual job and she, you know she i guess she maybe she was comparing it to where she was at her age i guess so i i just i'm sorry i'm just still like that was the most off-putting thing of like alix's character to me because mm-hmm. i'm like why do you have to be all up in her life if you just let her be your own babysitter then she would just she'll just exist you'll exist and that's it like why? Why the need to cross over worlds when it's unnecessary? I think there are people that that just live like that. People who have to naturally be in other folks' business. I used to work with this one lady who was always in folks' business. Always too much energy. It's waste, waste of time. It, I mean, it, it, I've always wondered like what purpose did it serve mm-hmm. her to have to constantly like butt in into I guess things. that was like my my real question it's like what is the purpose of all of this mm-hmm. you know I guess I, I just wanted to ask Miss Reed like what is the purpose of all of this it's probably one of those things of like wanting to stay relevant and, and 
her life wasn't really going anywhere. She was supposed to be working on a book. I guess she was lonely. But, you know, she had a second baby. All her friends were living somewhere else. So, you know, maybe this was her way of being able to feel like she was connected to something. And young. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And relevant. Young and relevant. That's a lonely life to live. To be young and relevant? No, to do all of that. That's exhausting oh, to me. Maybe that's be why, because I'm like, I'm a mom. I got no time looking at your phone and seeing who who you dating, what you're listening to. I got I got no time. My hands are full. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like, what prompts people to do that. I basically, maybe I just don't understand. But, but I guess that's that's <laughs> that. <laughs> that's why I really don't like her. Well. We have heard the verdict on Alex, Alex for uh, Alex for Denny. <laughs> but that means that I really don't like her. Means that Kylie Reed did really a good job. Yeah, she wrote the hell out of the story. I I was just finishing up watching an interview earlier, and she was just talking about how much she liked to read about characters in awkward situations oh yeah it's and it's it's been a blast <laughs> this this is definitely i can't wait to read whatever she comes out with next such such pressure though i know right but if colson whitehead can do it i'm sure she can kylie too. you got this girl <laughs> such you pressure too. <laughs> colson whitehead yeah like double polo surprise winner I can i make my next book Oof. one oh man <laughs> That's really like at that point I would be like you know what this can be a trash book whatever (laughs) people know who I am (laughs) they know my name so what would you rank this book you know what I haven't really like thought about much of this question because I just really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and maybe you know I I just really I feel for Amira but also like her her situations are very different from mine and i could never experience that living you know as an asian woman my but prejudices are different mm-hmm. but also the same in some sort of way um but to me the writing this is my thing i love her writing and once you write good you're good in my book anytime <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this this book is this book can can as an like an easy like five I can't even give it like a four point five because that's like nah, I can't do that to her. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely a five face for me. Um the premise pulled me in, but the re- the the writing I think is what let me stay. She's a really, really good writer. Um and like I said before, I can't wait to see what she has coming out after um after this and it definitely uh it's telling a story in a in a brand new fresh kind yeah, of way cause, like what i was telling earlier this is not like a this is not a new story these ex- these experiences are very very common for people mm-hmm. but you know it's it's those little like on how she says it, on how she would describe people. That's why I feel like I can see this as a series. Because mm-hmm. you can go on with this forever. Oh, yeah. Like, you can make two series out of this, like, book. And not only just with Amira's life, like, the lives of her friends. Like, oh, yeah. how they operated. And then Alik's friends and all their side stories and her 
weird ass husband, racist self, mm-hmm. doing the news. Like you could, you can definitely take it all different kinds of ways. And maybe later on in the future, maybe they have it where where Amira does end up getting back with Kelly, but then it doesn't work, and then they break up again. Yep. You it's, know, it's like you know, it's it it falls in the same to me categories. Little fires everywhere, mm-hmm. where there's like a lot of characters, mm-hmm. but. The characters are put into places where they need to be. They say the the right stuff. They have like the right storyline. So the the amount of characters don't feel overwhelming. Everybody knows their place, and the story moves along with the with the people that needs the story to be told. Yeah. With, so, yep. You yeah. know. So we um we thank you for joining us on this journey this month. It's a little messy. You know, it's a it's a little you know back and forth, but this is a good book. This is a good book. If all if anything that you would pick up from this, from this podcast, this is a good book. You, it's you a need good to ass book. you you need to give it a try. And if anything, even if you don't read it, just buy it because it's a beautiful cover, and it'll look nice on your bookshelf. So buy, <laughs> support, support the writers. Do that. So we're going to end this podcast. I just want to say a happy Halloween to those who celebrate. It's my favorite holiday and my favorite birth month, my only birth month. Talking about you have three birthdays. <laughs> so we'll be back soon with more podcasts. One in regards to um, my birthday pick, uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. And, um, yeah, if you... If, and if you're a um, if you're an audio type of person, that is a good one to listen to. Also, that one's read by Ruby V. It's lit. Yes, that chick is lit. Yes. So, <laughs> on that note, we bid you all adieu. Yeah. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon. Wherever you are, have fun in the world. Peace. Keep reading. Do that. <laughs>